0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. Matt Alder.me AMA. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 498 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The early careers labour market is evolving. The pandemic severely impacted internships, hybrid working is changing graduate recruitment, and many employers are reviewing their entry requirements to cast a broader net for talent. My guest this week is Dr Charlie Ball, Head of Labour Market Intelligence at JISC. Charlie is one of the UK's leading experts on graduate employment with deep insights to share on current market trends that are applicable globally. A must listen for anyone involved with interns, graduates and college recruiting. Hi Charlie and welcome to the podcast. Hello Matt. nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do.
1: Well, I'm Dr. Charlie Ball, and I'm the head of labour market intelligence at JISC. JISC is the large organisation, uh, not-for-profit organisation within the higher education sector that looks after services and uh, support for students and, and practice, and it's a digital organisation for the sector. Um, and I'm the labour market expert
0: there. Tell us a little bit more about what that entails.
1: Well, essentially, my role is to do a lot of the primary research or to lead a lot of the primary research that underpins a lot of the practice of the UK's higher education career services. Now, as you know, as some of our many analysts know, know, the um, uh, higher education system in the UK has a very strong and very well integrated um, career service system. Um, All institutions have some kind of careers service. They rely on basic information about the graduate labor market in order to be able to operate. And my role is to oversee the production of that basic information that uh, HE Career Services use. And also, to an extent, colleges and essentially anybody else who wants to know about the employment of graduates. Um, And the list of stakeholders there is quite long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Including lots of people who who are listening right now. Really keen to start sort of digging into some of the things that you're sort of seeing in 2023 and some of the things that might happen. Before we do, though, it's probably worth just having a little bit of a look into how graduate recruitment and and the labour market for it has sort of evolved over the last two or three years with the pandemic and everything. What trends have we been seeing? What's changed? What's the state of the market going into 2023?
1: It's a very interesting question, Matt. Um, in order to answer it effectively, I'm going to overjoy your listeners by taking us back to 2020 and the start of the pandemic because I think we all want to relive that period. Um, and so, what first happened is, if you, think, in fact, it was around three years ago in the UK, certainly that it was that it became clear that all was not well. And I remember being at Euston Station in early February 2020, having just delivered a keynote speech at a conference. Um, And it was on the BBC News that um, a large conference, which had taken place at Earl's Court, which had been attended by a number of MPs, Um, a number of people there had been attested positive for COVID and were being forced to isolate. Um, And it it, it was starting to really strike home with the UK public that this was something that was going to be a bit out of the ordinary. Um, By March 2020, March 2020 was the first lockdowns for the UK what actually happened in practical terms for the labour market was in about a fortnight, um, the whole of the UK economy shut down. Well, it didn't shut, but it didn't shut uh, in, in physical terms. It didn't shut down in, um, entirely. Everybody went to their um, untested virtual solutions. Um, on, and we started using conference programmes and homeworking in a big way. And I think the tacit fear was that these systems were not going to hold. Um, And that as a consequence, business will be phenomenally disrupted um, and we would see widespread hardship, uh, business failure and unemployment. What actually happened is the system's held um, and particularly for professional workers. And now we're going to move into the graduate labour market here. And I acknowledge that many elements of the graduate labour market are very different to um, other parts of the UK employment experience. And in particular, much of the graduate labour market was well suited to virtual working. So um, the large numbers of of, um, professional workers in IT, in professional services, um, in office and desk jobs. um, It turned out that they were able to transition and their businesses were able to transition to virtual working um, and hybrid working very, very effectively. Um, far more effectively, it it, it beat out all of the most optimistic case scenarios. So March um, and April 2020 is when you would start to see budgets being set for things like work experience or budgets being spent for things like work experience and apprenticeships. Um, So those were hit very badly. And work experience and apprenticeships in particular pretty much vanished from the market overnight. But graduate training schemes... The money had already been spent and in many cases, the recruitment had already been done um, uh, for summer 2020. Um, we did hear quite a few stories of offers being rescinded, but by and large, quite a lot of graduate labor market activity for graduates who were leaving in the summer had already started. Um, and as the summer went on and the furlough scheme, which we must remind ourselves in the UK certainly was very effective, preserved many jobs. at the start at the outset, there were respected labour market economists saying that by autumn 2020, we might be seeing four to five million people out of work. An absolutely phenomenal number. Um, and the furlough scheme was originally intended to only last until September 2020. And after that, but see, the, the out, outlook, for particularly for small businesses, looked very, very bleak course, in the event, because of that bleak outlook, the furlough scheme was extended. Um, At the outset of the pandemic, the World Health Organization told us it might take 18 months to get a vaccine. Um, In the end, the lead time to a vaccine was substantially shorter. Um, And so by autumn 2020, it was clear that virtual working was more effective than people believed and productivity was up. In fact, in some cases, worker satisfaction was up. We had a vaccine on the way Um, and mass unemployment hadn't taken place. And so by autumn 2020, it was starting to become clear, and I was having quite a lot of conversations, uh, starting to become clear that, um, if anything, many graduate businesses, particularly those that had successfully switched along with their clients to hybrid working, may, if anything, had under-recruited during the pandemic itself, the main parts of the pandemic. We then fast forward to the recruitment season for 2021 early to late spring in may 2021 was when all the remaining restrictions were lifted in the uk on movements and everybody tried to recruit at once and the recruitment market went absolutely mad Um, and that's when we started to see all the big headlines in the uk they've been bubbling under in the in the in the trade and we were already getting really quite concerned in late 2020 and early 2021 about um shortages in health education social care i.t engineering And the other thing that happened is, towards the end of the pandemic, is we started to get to a situation where we had more vacancies than unemployed people in the UK, and that's now become the status quo. So, to cut a long story short, the pandemic did not have the effect on the graduate labour market that I think the large majority of people predicted. It didn't wreck the labour market for graduates. It did cause some problems in terms of ability to access work experience, but those graduates who graduated during the pandemic, actually, um, we've now got the data for their first destinations 15 months after graduating. The graduates who graduated during the pandemic actually um, saw very little, or seem to have seen very little, um, short to medium term scarring of their their labour market prospects. And the main effect has been um, that now, Um, And this is still very, very profound, That now still 80% of the IT workforce, 70% of the professional services workforce is now working in a hybrid way, have been working in a hybrid way for um, three years now. We can assume that's embedded, and that has been the main change for graduates of the pandemic. The fact that um, hybrid working is now um, the business model for large parts of the jobs market, large parts of the professional jobs market, many, possibly most. Difficult to get put an exact figure on it, but it's certainly a large proportion of graduates um, will now work in a hybrid way in the future. And most people who are working in a hybrid way in the UK at least have degrees. And I think that is a an underappreciated distinction. Hybrid working is basically for graduates
0: before we sort of move forward into 2023 just to, I suppose a couple of things to to, to to kind of ask you about about that um firstly obviously the the lack of um, people getting work experience and internships um, you know back in 2020 2021 do you think that will have a material effect down the line I think the whole work experience training um, question is a really
1: really interesting one. Um, because um, if you're a, if you're a company that's now working on a hybrid model, delivering training, delivering work experience and apprenticeships, particularly accredited ones, and particularly ones that require an assessment, um, it's now a different challenge, and I think it's one that business doesn't yet feel it's completely met. So we have this situation where businesses have have not brought back work experience to quite the extent because, particularly, you know, if you're offering, say, if you're offering an apprenticeship. Um, that's got an accredited portion at the end in order to do that you need people in the office all the time and you need someone to assess the work that your your apprentice is doing and there are challenges to that um, that i think industry has not come to a consensus on how to meet that's very interesting from my point of view as a specialist in employment and i do think there is a great prize to be won by any organizations sectors or individuals who Solve those problems to industry satisfaction. Because to be to be candid, I think there is there are new business models emerging in delivering and assessing training and work experience, um, and and even basic functions like HR. Because of course, um, your average HR, particularly uh, your 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 standard HR models, do assume essentially. You know, if you've got an, an employee who's under who's who's struggling at work, for example. Your colleagues will notice that, and you can have a quiet word. is is the is the first process. But in a virtual environment, that's very different, and that's that's why some of the um, issues to do with well being and, and and mental health have started to to come up. Um, and I think there are a lot of implications in those lines that have yet to be worked out. So the work experience model and the way that work experience is delivered is still, I think, we're still going to be as a society and particularly in terms of the way that we look at work uh, uh, expectations for people to have certain kinds of work experience i think it'll take a few years before that settles down
0: a quick message from our sponsor winolo hi everyone i want to tell you about winolo that's w-o-n-o-l-o winolo stands for work now locally Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets. Including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle, get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com/pod. That's slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. If graduate work is mostly becoming hybrid or perhaps even remote, what effect does that have on kind of location mobility in terms of where people, you know, where people work?
1: And um, this is, from my point of view, from my own research interests, you're right, this, this is this is a particular interest to me. Um, I've worked for a long time um, on questions of less developed areas, remote, peripheral, rural locations. Um, and the way that you furnish a professional job market or, or the way that graduates move around between locations. And hybrid working throws an entirely new factor into the mix because, of course, you may be, your your work or your business may be based in one location, but you might be in another. My optimistic hope is that this will democratise to an extent some of those some of those questions so for example in the uk and in many parts of the developed world um you know this is an issue particularly in the us with its, with its wide geographies and large large amounts of rural location you have this flight of skilled workers away from smaller towns and rural areas to the cities where the jobs are and they take their spending power with them they take their economic and social power with them but now if you're um say a worker from rural north yorkshire um you may no longer need to relocate to leeds or london in order to pursue your career you may be able to base yourself in you may be able to continue to be based in in a in a location that's got a lower cost of living or has lifestyle features that you like um and then continue to work um uh, and, and, and get and, and get roles that were previously concentrated in the cities. And that's my optimistic reading of the situation and that we may see, for example, changes in, we may see younger people more easily able to access the housing market because they will be able to get decent jobs and be based in parts of the world that are cheaper to live in, less fashionable, um, more remote. Um, my worry is, however, that it will it will also fuel house price imp- uh, inflation in places like coastal areas um, where, you know, everybody will want to work, work at the beach or in, or in the hills or in the countryside. So there is a danger that it may also accelerate hollowing out of, of, of less fashionable urban areas. And I think fundamentally it remains to be seen how this will work. But it, I do think that... Um, I'm basically going to have to start again on a lot of the work that I've done um, because I'm not sure how, how uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people who's done 20, 20 years of work on a particular topic and found the pandemic has thrown that all up into the air. <laughs> okay. Personally, I yeah. quite relish that. I enjoyed doing that work and I don't mind doing it again. <laughs> but I, you know, uh, I appreciate some of the old ways of thinking about the link between person, place and employment may not hold for many workers, I mean, obviously, if you're a nurse, you're still going to go work in hospital. But if you're an IT worker, um, the whole of the UK and indeed international is theoretically open to you, and and that will that will change things in ways that we can't foresee yet.
0: I suppose moving on to the the you know the current sort of state of the economy in 2023. I was reading through the predictions you were making about the the the, the market for the next 12 months and one of the things that you you say is that we're not going to see the 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 type of graduate labor market that we normally get in a recession. Can you can you explain what you mean by that and what what you're seeing happening?
1: Well, I mean normally you will see the graduate labor market um suffer during recession it's all it's worth stressing that the the labor market for graduates always suffers the least of all the labor markets that's the first thing most qualified there isn't a situation despite some popular discourse um about you know people being overqualified for jobs there isn't a situation where people with better qualifications and credentials fare worse than people without them but in general what you would ordinarily see in a recession um, by this point in a recession, is you would you would have seen in advance the recession happening um, because recessions are rarely a surprise; they rarely come 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 by surprise, and rarely, particularly to biz- recruiting businesses. So you'd have seen a drop in business confidence for about twelve to eighteen months before the recession happened. Reduced investment, which includes um, uh, includes hiring, it's, it's more usually on things like R and D and 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 equipment and plant and location spend, but it, it'll also be on on hiring and you also you'd already start uh, start to see a gentle drop-off in employment for graduates which would then as the recession kicked in be um, be then followed by a, a sharp drop-off and particularly in areas that are re- reliant on large upfront spend so you would see for example the engineers usually start to um, see a downturn in their normally excellent graduate prospects early because they often, you know, you have your engineering project needs quite a lot of upfront overhead to to kick in. So a, a very good um, two two very good canaries in the coal mine, if you like, for the graduate labour market is the first thing is the IT contractor market. So you look at IT recruitment firms, um, and when they start to report significantly reduced billing and reduce placements, that's usually a sign that difficult labour market times are on the way. And the other thing is you look at engineers, and particularly civil engineers, and when they start to get laid off in large numbers or their prospects start to diminish, that's a sign that the construction and infrastructure market is going to take a bath, and that's usually a a key leading indicator of a labour market recession. Neither of those those things have happened this time. So this is, um, or have happened so far, I should say, so what recession we, we we like to have a recession uh, we're likely in a recession or have one coming um, but um, it's not behaving in the ways that you would normally associate with a normal graduate labor market so at present, the graduate jobs market is defying gravity a little bit
0: one of the other things that we've been seeing you know over the last few years, but it seems to be coming more of a trend is employers dropping their Entry requirements—you know, either dropping the, the the need to have a degree completely, or lowering, um, you know, the, the the class of degree that they're that they're looking for. What's driving this, and do you think that it's a it's a long term trend?
1: I do think it's a long term trend. What's driving it is simple is, is simple a candidate avail- availability, or rather, the increasing concern from recruiters from hiring managers that are missing talented people. Um, which, which of course they have been um there's the realization that um, degree grade is linked to other factors than sheer ability um certain demographic groups are more likely um notwithstanding any other factors to get two ones um, and they're all the the people who experience advantage in the first place um, and all the people who are generally overrepresented in professional firms Anyhow. And the other factor is, to be honest, most graduates get two ones, so filtering for them is sometimes more effort than it's worth. You don't actually filter out that many people. and Some of those people you filter out might have other qualities that um, will be valuable to your business and and um, which your business is underrepresented in. So, you know, um, people who've done a lot of extracurricular work, people who have Done a lot of actual um, employment, um, and people from non-traditional backgrounds are all are all more likely to get, uh, or we're all more likely to get two twos, um, and but they all bring something useful to businesses. So I do think this is this is a trend. But of course, it wouldn't be so much of a trend if we didn't have widespread candidate shortage in a lot of areas. So fundamentally, that's what's driving it. We don't have enough. candidates for tech roles we don't have enough candidates in large parts of education health and social care we don't have enough candidates in large parts of professional services and so fundamentally um hiring managers do want to broaden out their talent pool with a, with a, with the the least possible risk to quality um, and dropping the 2-one requirement seems to be an effective way of doing that
0: there are lots of very disruptive things happening here. We've got hybrid working affecting the geographical mobility. We've got demand holding up in a recession, and the third thing that we were talking about was obviously people re-evaluating their their kind of entry requirements for these roles. So lots of very disruptive things. Now, as we know from the last few years, it's impossible to predict the future. But I'd love to get your view on where you think we're going in terms of you know early careers and graduate recruitment and what things might look like in say five years time
1: i think that's a that's a very good question and so i will preface that um is i am an expert in this area and much of what i say when i predict the future will be wrong however i don't think it will be very wrong so you can your, your listeners can take that as uh, as it's uh, as they as they as they see fit but my my um my definition of an expert is somebody who will admit that they don't know. Um, so you know we can't be entirely sure. My experiences of working in this area is actually things change a little less than and, and generally, as long as we don't have a worldwide pandemic that forces everybody to go virtual within a month, things generally change less and a slower pace than expected. So if I'll be honest, I'd say in I'd say that a hiring manager. Looking at uh, who got into a, uh, managed to get a a wormhole to hire early careers, hiring in five years' time would probably see much that most of it they would recognize, and most of the landscape would be familiar to them. I don't think it would change out of all recognition, but I think where the biggest changes will be, will be innovations that make use of rather than work around this hybrid paradigm so um, we'll see innovations we'll see we'll see f- further innovations in, in recruitment and hiring that make use of the ability to leverage hybrid technology and hybrid working um, we'll see as I say things like training work experience apprenticeships and, and general HR and employee support are um, issues in search of a solution um, I think, in five years' time, industries will have settled around the consensus on the best way to um, address those particular topics, um, and it will be. I, I don't think they will be very different to the to to what we have now, but I think they will be different, and we'll, we'll see some we'll see innovation within the within the early career space being driven to some extent by those particular topics because that's where innovation is needed. Um, and we'll see much clearer thinking of the effects of hybrid working on things like geographic mobility and and also things like office use i mean the the question of hybrid working is now bound up with bound up in um people using physically using space and that will and how that affects urban and local landscapes we know a lot of businesses are divesting themselves of office space and office office portfolio and what that will what effect that will have. And, and, and in five years' time, we'll we'll have a clear review. We'll start to have a clear review of some of the implications, longer-term implications of, of the effects of the pandemic. Because, you know, the pandemic itself might be effectively over in terms of its of its large, large-scale effect on individuals. Um, now we've got a vaccine and, and, and things are more under control. But the long-term effects of the things that we did um, will play out over the long term um, and things will happen there will be unforeseen events and consequences that we've, we've still to chart um, and it will be interesting to see how we deal with them but the one lesson we've learned from covid i think um, as hirers and as businesses we can and will cope with it
0: absolutely charlie thank you very much for talking to me
1: a pleasure matt thank you very much
0: my thanks to Charlie. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show thanks very much for listening i'll be back next time and i hope you'll join me this is my show